Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 34, we discuss our thoughts on how Fox Sports can improve its World Cup coverage, given that we now know uh, what their blueprint is, as well as discussing the coverage of the FIFA Confederations Cup final. Plus, as always, lots of feedback and questions from you listeners and an opportunity to find out how you can win tickets to El Clasico Miami between Real Madrid and Barcelona coming right up. Kartik, my name is Christopher Harris, uh, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and Kartik Krishnaya, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, uh, Chris. How are you? Good, good. It's uh, middle of the summer, so it's a little bit quieter. Probably on this episode, won't have as much news. But uh, we got the Gold Cup starting up this weekend. We've got um, some. I, I know Manchester United are coming over next week to start their training, training us our Swansea City and other clubs from from Europe. And uh, so before you know it, it'll be International Champions Cup too, and a whole host of uh, friendlies and preseason tournaments. So, Kartik, let's kick off by uh, talking about what you've been watching this past week. Yeah, I've um, been watching uh, less football than usual because there's been less on television. I'm, I had my uh, uh, an NPSL game to broadcast on both Friday, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, Friday, it was Boca Raton and Miami Fusion. Miami Fusion won that game 6-0. Uh, Boca only dressed 12 guys, so that was... Uh, that was an ugly game. The next day in Orlando, another six-goal game I broadcast, which was um, Orlando and uh, the Orlando craze, Central Florida craze, and um, Jacksonville Armada B team, and it was 4-2 to the craze, and that was a, an entertaining open game. And in fact, learned uh, in my prep for the game, Kieran McKenna, who uh, is one of the big stars for the Armada's B team, is the only player uh, in recent history to have turned down a professional contract from Celtic. He's uh, Irish, and um, he's come to the States because he uh, he wanted to get an education, college education, going along with playing, uh, continuing to play soccer. So he is playing for the Armada's B team. Uh, that's why he's not with the A team, because he's not, not a, he can't sign a professional contract while he's going to college. And... Uh, Probably will be a, an A player. Maybe go back to uh, to uh, Ireland, Ireland or Scotland eventually. So that uh, that was really neat. And then had a, another APSL game Sunday. But um, in the meantime, uh, before I left for the game Friday, um, and I got there a wee bit late because of this outstanding Germany Spain 
uh, final on ESPNU and uh, Sebastian Salazar, who uh, very rapidly is becoming, uh, I think, a, a uh, formidable figure in his own right in uh, in soccer broadcasting in this country. Uh, was the uh, was the commentator along with Hercules Gomez, who did a very good job of uh, of co commentary. It was uh, it was a really good game. I mean, it's a U twenty one game, right? It's a youth level game, but this could have been put up with any international yep. in any major tournament, I think, and um, would have would have held its own. Spain were the better team, but Germany got the goal. Not that Germany wasn't very good. It, it was just an incredibly high level of play from. Uh, the the countries that have won the majority of recent major championships and have uh, uh, come up against each other in, in major finals and semifinals uh, consistently, uh, the two leading nations in world football. No no offense to Brazil or Argentina. The, the, it, Bacartic, it's these Bacartic, I'm really surprised that Fox Sports let Hercules Gomez go because when he was on was it the Copa America broadcast last summer, he, he did a great job. I thought he filled right in and, and had some really good analysis and, and had some good uh, kind of. Uh, on-screen kind of charisma, and uh, I guess it's his gain because ESPN has been doing more. He's been doing a lot more ESPN FC appearances as well as uh, the commentaries. But I mean, he, he's fantastic. Yeah, and he it, he kind of balances out Craig Burley on ESPN FC because what you have on ESPN FC is Craig Burley very critical of uh, Concacaf, uh, very dismissive of the U.S. and Mexico and and uh, their relevance in international football and the whole process in Concacaf. I, th- I I tend to think he's probably right about that, uh, but he is, Burley is kind of over the top about it, and we know that there is a large contingent of U.S. soccer fans who push back against that. That say, well, if Germany had to travel to Honduras in a qualifier, they would see how difficult it is. Well, I really don't think they would, but but there is a school of thought uh, among American soccer fans. I think more than Mexican soccer fans, because Mexican soccer fans tend to think when they underperform in these places, it's because they're not playing well or their manager is doing a poor job. With American fans, a lot of times it's, oh, it's such a tough place to go. But um, I think Hercules Gomez is outstanding. Why did Fox let him go? I, that's... Uh, that's a great mystery. I thought they were going to let Landon Donovan go, too. There were rumors that he was going to sign with ESPN. So they uh, were fortunate that they retained him, at least, and they're going to have him in the Gold Cup. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show and, and uh, World Cup next year, obviously. But um, Hercules Gomez is a big miss for them. Julie Stewart-Binks is a big miss for them. So, yes, they're ramping up soccer coverage uh, and have more and more properties, and you and um, ESPN in – Theory has less properties. They picked off both Julie Stewart-Binks and Hercules Gomez. But, Chris, this is important for us to remember. The Nations Cup is coming up uh, so, uh, next, starting next year for uh, ESPN. They are now sh- uh, demonstrating commitment to show U21 UEFA matches. They get a lot of uh, UEFA friendlies when those teams play in friendlies. They get a lot of qualifiers. They split those with Fox. They still have the Euros in 2020. So they do, in bits and pieces. I believe they still have the Spanish Supercopa, which is going to be Real Madrid and Barcelona this year, uh, which it hasn't been in years, because normally those um, clubs don't take the Copa del Rey as seriously as they take the league, but this year Barcelona beat Alaves in the final and, and won the Copa del Rey. So um, there, and they had the uh, German Super Cup and the German uh, Cup final, and they got a Dortmund um, Bayern match out of it. Yep. There is, There are dribs and drabs of enough soccer 
drips and drops, I should say, is the right expression of enough soccer on ESPN. It seems to retain talent. And then, of course, you've got the MLS package, uh, which they um, which they're continuing to show some commitment to. So uh, I thought this was an excellent broadcast from ESPN, a great commitment from ESPN to show these games on ESPNU. Oh, and by the way, ESPN, as we record this, has an USL game on ESPNU tonight, uh, which is Tampa Bay and Cincinnati from Al Lang Stadium in St. Pete. They will be using, I believe, the local broadcasters, which are Mike Pepper and Lee Godfrey for that, Lee Godfrey, formerly of Gold TV. So I, so um, I have a question about that, Kartik. So how is that possible? It was, was it just that there was a slot in the in the the TV broadcasting window where there's nothing else going on. I mean, no, no offense to USL, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's just these next few weeks, and then they go back to being on ESPN three because. Um, what what is going to end up happening in a couple of weeks is college sports are going to begin. Uh, so ESPN U is going to be um, pushing that. But this is summer break in uh, universities. So and now the U21s are over. The Confed Cup is over. Now the ESPN doesn't have the Confed Cup, but they do have the programming availability. I believe it's the next three weeks. Each of the next three weeks, there'll be a USL game on ESPN U. OK, excellent. Um, so so I will obviously watch that. Um Saturday, because I was broadcasting game, driving to Orlando on broadcasting game, I did not watch U.S. Ghana. So, so, I, uh, so on that one, I did watch it, just uh, just to throw in my two cents on this one. So I, I watched it on Univision, so I, I thought it would do something a little bit different. Um, it's great to see with the U.S. that there's a, now a feel-good factor. I, I think the, there's more of a – seems to be a better atmosphere at the games. And I think we saw this one. I think it was uh, Hartford, I think um, – that the actual match was at. Uh, and we had Raul Guzman and uh, Marcelo Balboa, who were doing the commentating for Univision. A great game, uh, great atmosphere, uh, fantastic uh, save by uh, Brad Guzan uh, from a penalty kick, and uh, US went on to win this match. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't watch uh, Fox's broadcast of this one, so I wanted to give uh, Univision a go, and it was a thumbs up. Yeah, uh, fantastic, and uh, and and that uh, again gives um, gives people another option for U.S. games. Okay, we talked a lot about Telemundo and the option they give people during um, Confed Cup and FIFA tournaments, but this gives people another option for U.S. games. Now, I will admit, I watched the entire U.S. Mexico game uh, three weeks ago, or whatever it was. Now over a month, I think uh, on. Um, Univision because I was not uh, I, I just I turned on Fox's pregame coverage and it wasn't it, I, I didn't get impacted by Rob Stone or uh, Alexi Lalas as many people do but it was uh, the loud uh, uh, opening and closing and, and the, 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 the hype that comes from Fox's uh, graphics that, I, that I'm, I'm just not going to do this what's Univision tonight so that that is a worthwhile option for folks um, obviously Sunday Confederations Cup uh, final um uh, I, I, uh, I, well, I, I did not get up in time for the Portugal-Mexico third place game. I did see the, the extra time, but uh, I missed the 90 minutes or about 80 minutes of, of the, uh, um, of, of the game. But um, the final um, was a, a mixed bag. Look, I mean, I think, uh, I, 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 I think we're all pretty pleased with John Strong's commentary. And I thought Fox did a good job in the studio. 
uh, John Strong and, and Stu Holden. But uh, unfortunately, Chris, uh, and maybe this is just to add another layer because uh, officiating controversies are what drive the conversation after major major finals in major tournaments. Uh, the, the VAR uh, seemed to be the great talking point coming out of uh, – this, this Confederations Cup final, uh, Dr. Joe Matchnick again, did a very good job um, dissecting it mm-hmm. as best he could. I, I, because you just, at this point, I don't know how, and I, I know there, there are some of our listeners that are annoyed by our conversation la- uh, two weeks ago about VAR. Um, I don't know um, what ends up being done to salvage it as a as a tool that doesn't add more controversy, uh, maybe FIFA wants the controversy. I don't know. Um, I mean, there is a school of thought, and John Champion expressed this school of thought on ESPN um, ESPN FC this week when he was on. Uh, by the way, he was in the states, obviously, because he was broadcasting the U.S. game, so he was on set for a few days last week. Uh, the school of thought that VAR might. Um, might not be great because it eliminates one of the big talking points for football commentators and for football fans after matches, which is the controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, 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 and I, I tend to agree with that. I think that is one of the talking points. And it always, when, when uh, you, you, there are people who say, uh, well, we want to get every call right and make sure uh, sporting merit is rewarded. Well, that, that's one, that is a, a school of thought, but there's another school of thought which basically says, hey, uh, mistakes are going to happen anyway. And by the way, you feel much better as a fan or supporter of a losing team if you're constantly citing officiating errors than just saying, hey, they looked at the replay, we lost type of thing. I mean, I think it's psychologically it affects supporters where they, they, they carry these cruxes on there uh, for years because they think, uh, oh, we got robbed in, in, in such and such a game. Yeah. So um, Man United fans still think talk about the 2009-2010 the season against Chelsea being robbed on, on the Drogba goal at Stamford Bridge where uh, uh, there were uh, the foul never should have been called on Carrick, and you know all that subsequent chain of events. VAR eliminates that. But now I'm thinking, Chris, it's adding another level layer of controversy because of how it was implemented in the final and how it was botched, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, though, too, because like you, um, even with VAR, VAR uh, there still is controversy and there's still talking points um, after these games. Just last night, we were talking about the uh, the Gonzalo uh, Yara elbow. Uh, that was caught. I mean, that they saw it. That the the officials, I guess, up in the booth saw it, and um, the referee did the replay. Went to see the video of it and awarded a um, a yellow card instead of a red card, which it should have been a red card because it was a deliberate foul, deliberate elbow um, into the face. But if anything, though, too, it, it adds a different. It does add a different level of controversy and talking points, but. In some ways, it makes the referees look worse because if they get the decision wrong, even after looking at the video evidence, it makes them more foolish, uh, in, in, I guess, in the viewer's eyes or my eyes, because even with video evidence, they're not able to get the call correctly. Now, um, maybe there was something that the referee saw in that that he didn't think it was deliberate or couldn't prove it was deliberate. But And then that's just one instance, too. There's going to be, I mean, many, many more examples so I, I think still at the end of the day, I think um, fans will still feel that they've been cheated and they've been robbed, uh, even after video evidence. Um, hopefully, FIFA will take a close look at uh, the implementation, as well as the other leagues too. MLS, uh, the Bundesliga are two top leagues that they're going to be using uh, VAR. Um, 
I think for MLS is going to be at the All-Star game and then uh, thereafter in the Bundesliga for next season. Um, but there's a lot of... I, I still think it can work. It's just that they have to figure out when and when to use it. Um, and they have to be careful not to overuse it. Um, and, and so, so, so I, I guess that, that's the gray area right now that we don't know is, okay, what is the exact use of that? Going back to what you said about um, Dr. Joe Macknick for, for, for Fox Sports and kind of that referee analysis, when, when Dr. Joe was brought to, onto Fox, what, like two or three years ago, I was like, why are they doing this? This makes no sense because his level of uh, uh, input during games was just, um, it was breaking up the broadcast. It was really adding very little value. Uh, but with VAR, now all of a sudden, we talked about this last week, he's the star of the show. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, it's, it's a great move. So so I guess in hindsight, actually Fox made the right move with this one. But uh, And he's also, uh, as, I, as I wrote in my, my piece about Fox's coverage, he's also become more comfortable on air. I think he was a yeah. very awkward. Maybe it was because it was uh, of the way they broke in and how rare it was uh, two years ago when he started during the Gold Cup in 2015. But I think, I think he has actually gotten much better. And obviously... Um, He's uh, he's on top of uh, he he's the star because VAR is the is the big talking point. Um, before we move on and, and, and hear whatever else you watch, I, I do want to mention on Monday night uh, there was only one soccer game on. I have wanted to watch Reno eighteen sixty eight all year. Dane Kelly is one of my favorite players uh, in USL. Uh, so YouTube there was a, a late night game between Reno and um, and LA Galaxy two um, and. Um, this game was outstanding from the Reno perspective. They won nine nil. you very rare. You see a game like that. So uh, the last nine nil game I remember was when Miami FC lost to the Carolina Railhawks in 2009, same league USL nine nil uh, up in carry. So uh, eight years uh, since that last nine nil game. And I think there was a Wigan Wigan Spurs game. Spurs was that nine one? That was nine. Yep. Yeah, White Hart Lane, right? Yeah, and Defoe had five goals. So I got to watch Jane Kelly score score a few goals, and uh, uh, it was pretty enjoyable, quite frankly. I felt bad for the kids from LA Galaxy too, but it is what it is. <laughs> so, so go, go. Actually, this past few days, I've been watching a lot of uh, Wimbledon, uh, which actually has worked out really well because there hasn't been uh, hardly any games uh, during the daytime. Uh, so, so, so just uh, scheduling wise, it's, been, it's worked out pretty well. So the Germany-Chile uh, final, um, going on top of what you said, Kartik, this is really a solid broadcast by Fox Sports. Uh, they've been really consistent in this Confederations Cup. Uh, yes, there are weaknesses. Um, we'll talk about that more later in the show. But overall, I thought they did really, really well. Uh, the part of it that I liked the most was uh, John Strong's ending to this game. And it was probably the last five to ten minutes. But he just, I mean, it helped that the game was ending in a really feverish way in terms of end-to-end action. I mean, it was really, I mean, uh, Chile really went for it in the last five to 10 minutes. And his level of announcing in terms of just building up the excitement minute after minute, get, get, getting closer to that final whistle, that was one of the best broadcasts I've heard from John Strong in a very, very long time. And uh, when the final miss- whistle went, it was, uh, I mean, for, for, for Germany... Such a relief, but for the viewers, for the for the neutrals, it was just really fantastic uh, commentary by John Strong on that one. Um, one of his best, I, I think. the The only complaint I had for this match in particular was um, I, w- I was watching it watching it at my in laws, 
and um, one of my in-laws uh, joined me probably about, I think, in the second half, the beginning of the second half, and was asking about the game and what was the score and who scored and how did they score. And I said, yeah, don't worry. I said, they'll, they'll show uh, a replay of the goal probably at the end of the game. So we were watching the second half. You mean, final whistle goes, hooray. And then I counted how much time it took for Fox from the end of the game to get to a highlight clip of the goal. And it was 35 minutes, 35 minutes. And what they did was, I mean, they went through the whole, I mean, it was great that they had the trophy celebration and the analysis and the, the interview with one of the coaches and, and all of that, and then the commercial breaks and coming back. But it should not take 35 minutes to show just a, like a five-second clip of, of the goal that, that won the game. And in, hind, uh, in, in, in uh, comparison, that was something interesting that ITV did when I was in uh, England uh, this past couple of weeks um, that I didn't mention yet, is that whenever there was a break, so, for example, at the end of the first half or at the end of the second half, they'd go to a commercial break, they'd come back. And when they came back, they had... Um, it was kind of like a montage highlight clip of of the goal or, or the key incident from that that half, uh, and they took it from a different angle. They had I think different different music going on, but it was like seeing the the, the goal or, or the or the, the highlight of a moment uh, again, but from a different perspective, and that was really interesting and kind of a really neat way to bring in a highlight clip. Uh, kind of remix it in a way, make it interesting, and still hold your, hold your attention, even if you had seen it before. And that was something, I think, from Fox Sports' perspective, they have to think about people joining games mid-game. And, and, okay, if you missed it, you don't want to wait 35 minutes to find out uh, how that goal was scored or what the goal looked like. Uh, just rewinding a little bit. Um, so I, I did watch the third-place game on uh, Sunday morning, the Portugal-Mexico game. And Kartik, this is one of the most entertaining third-place finals I think I've seen in a very, very long time. I mean, usually these games are completely meaningless, and the teams play at half strength. And uh, But this one was one of the best uh, third-place finals I've seen in, I, I don't know, in years. That's the one match in a World Cup uh, I usually skip. Uh, or if I do watch, I'm just incredibly, incredibly bored because the players are just seeing, seeing, uh, going through the motions, basically. But uh, in this game, it was a good use of uh, VAR, actually, on this one, because uh, there was a, uh, it overturned a, a non-penalty call into a deserved uh, penalty decision. So I thought that was a really good example of uh, VAR being used. Um, on the commentary, it was uh, Jorge Perez Navarro and Kobe Jones again. And uh, Kobe was a little bit better in this one compared to uh, what we talked about uh, last week. Jorge Perez Navarro... Uh, I still think uh, he's cheesy. Uh, my only concern there is that uh, if it's a nil-nil game and he's not doing one of his really incredible goal calls, then there's not much there. And um, But in this game, thankfully, there were lots of, lots of goals and Perez Navarro's uh, turbocharged goal calls, uh, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, this match, yeah, it's, it's incredible how aggressive both teams were in trying to win this one. It really meant a lot to, to both sides. And then uh, the other matches I watched, uh, let me see if there's anything else I watched that uh, we haven't talked about yet. Nope, that's it. So all in all, it's been uh, less soccer than usual, but uh, still some, some great matches uh, to watch. And that, that Spain-Germany uh, uh, U21 final was the level of football by both teams, technical, kind of like one-touch passing was absolutely incredible. So Kartik, guess what? We've got a, a new sponsor. 
Uh, we've got a new sponsor, and this one's giving away uh, tickets to El Clasico Miami for a chance to win to go to uh, this big match coming up. So Eleven Miami is giving away a pair of VIP tickets to El Clasico Real Madrid against Barcelona on Saturday, July 29th. All you have to do is go to 11miami.com slash Classico to enter to win two ultra-premium VIP tickets uh, with all-inclusive food and beverage in the 72 Club inside the Hard Rock uh, Stadium. Second place gets two tickets for the PSG against Juventus game, July 26th at the Hard Rock Stadium. Third place receives VIP bottle service for up to six people at rooftop at 11 um, for the El Clasico viewing party on Saturday, July 29th. That's 11miami.com slash Classico. 11 Miami is an award-winning nightlife experience located in downtown Miami and is South Florida's only 24-7 ultra club rooftop and restaurant. Uh, in the past, they've had perform performances by Drake, uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, Big Sean, Skrillex, and more, just to name a few. And even, even if you don't win tickets, 11, uh, 11's rooftop will be showing the game on their 16-foot LED screen. And the after party will be uh, the craziest in town. Again, go to 11miami.com slash Classico to win VIP tickets to see Real Madrid versus Barcelona at Hard Rock Stadium on July 29th. And in the show notes, too, we'll include the, the link uh, just to make sure you get the correct link to click on that to go ahead and uh, enter for your chance to win. Now, Kartik, TV streaming news. Yeah. So um, Carlos Ruiz, former uh, MLS great, uh, Guatemalan international, one of the leading scorers in CONCACAF history at the international level. I think he's up there with Stern John and Landon Donovan and maybe a few others. Uh, Chicharito is climbing the charts as we speak, as is Clint Dempsey. Uh, he has joined BN Sports uh, in Miami as a permanent soccer analyst. Uh, and he's going to do both sides, uh, BN in Espanol, BN in English. Uh, Ruiz will serve as a pundit on The Locker Room, which airs Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays and the extra uh, BN Sports uh, and BN Sports and Espanol's nightly primetime news highlights and information program. He will also stu uh, uh, serve as studio analyst for the network's coverage of NASL and other international soccer competitions. Again, um, the fish, uh, Carlos Ruiz, uh, LA Galaxy, great Dallas, uh, some other MLS teams uh, back uh, in the States now as a soccer commentator. Great. Excellent. And before we move on to the next seg segment, I do want to mention uh, a shout out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. And there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Now, coming up uh, in the next weeks and days, we've got some big matches around the United States, including El Clasico Miami, uh, as well as international friendlies and uh, international Champions Cup and much, much more. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. And it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used uh, SeatGeek recently to look for tickets to Swansea's friendlies coming up against Philadelphia Union, North Carolina, Carolina FC, and Richmond Kickers. I'm not sure which game I'm going to go to out of those three yet, but uh, I'm keeping a close eye on those. 
SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off the first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Kartik, now, now we've got moving on to TV ratings. And, and what uh, TV ratings numbers uh, do we have thus far? I know with Independence Day, it, uh, it slows down the, the, the amount of, uh, or the speed of, of the numbers coming back to us. But any that uh, jump out at you? Yeah, especially with Independence Day on a Tuesday. Um, it makes things incredibly awkward. Um, TV ratings, we've got 800,000 for Chile, Germany on FS1 in the Confederations Cup final. That was the big... Uh, the big number uh, on English language television, I don't have the Telemundo number yet, uh, the Telemundo over the year number, 800,000 for Chile, Germany on FS1, uh, 748,000 for U.S. Ghana the previous evening on ESPN. Uh, for That was Saturday from 5 to 7.30 p.m. A pretty good number for a U.S. friendly, a largely meaningless friendly with a B team, B team for Ghana as well. Uh, a lot of guys uh, even that were U.S.-based, uh, uh, MLS and NASL guys, playing for Ghana uh, in that game, like David Akam and, and, and Poku and others. So a pretty good number for that. I've got uh, two MLS numbers this week, 298,000 Friday night game, uh, Real Salt Lake versus Orlando City. That was a 9.30 Eastern time start uh, on ESPN. And then 138,000, really disappointing number for Philly versus New England uh, on FS1 uh, Saturday from uh, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. That was after the Confederations Cup final and all, also after the Confederations Cup postgame show. But uh, that is, um, uh, as I do some quick math, that is about one-sixth, more than uh, less than one-sixth of the, of the viewers that the final got uh, earlier in the day on FS1. So that's a disappointing number. But again, it was Philly and New England. And I think if you're going to pick, even though they're two major markets, this goes back to a lot of our discussions about MLS, two major markets. But if you're going to pick two teams that people are not going to watch on television, not going to want to watch, even MLS fans, it's those two teams. So Telemundo got uh, 2.4 million uh, for the final between uh, Germany and Chile. And uh, that one, let me see. Let me go back. I've got the the story on worldsoccertalk.com. For the the entire tournament, the average 1.2 million uh, people per per broadcast, which is pretty darn good when you you consider there were teams like New Zealand, uh, Australia, um, even Germany, you could say, too, that that are probably teams that are not so um, Hispanic-friendly, so to speak, in terms of, uh, um, of course, Mexico was the big draw there. But uh, overall, they um, had three times as much uh, viewers for Telemundo as there was was for Fox Sports. So all in all, I think it's been a slam dunk from Telemundo. Um, no problems with the broadcasts. Uh, some big numbers. And uh, really, we talked about this in a few podcasts ago. They really went all in on this. And uh, so some positive signs there, too, for uh, next year's uh, World Cup coverage from them. Yeah. Now, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a few 
uh, coming in here. Uh, the first one is from Anthony Bello, and he sent this in through email. And he said, I would like to make a bunch of comments on NBC's uh, Premier League pass. If you had extra time, this, yes, this sucks, but I didn't have extra time, so I'm taking the news as no big deal, even though I am a... I, I'm lighter in the wallet. Uh, more on that later. He says, I also, it, w- it could be worse. You uh, could be in the UK where these games are blacked out. Or it could be like the NFL where the only way to get games uh, not being shown in your area is to put up a satellite dish on your house. I wish Sunday ticket could be offered online for anyone to buy. By the way, it's also a better value than I follow uh, from the championship. 130 games for 49.99 compared to 46 matches for seventy nine ninety nine. What are your thoughts on this one, Kartik? Uh, yeah, as far as pay packages, the value is pretty high. But again, uh, NBC, as we've talked about time and again, created a, a uh, an expectation that we would always get these games for free. So I think that's the yeah. freak out. Now, if you start to compare it to MLS Live and iFollow and Fox Soccer Plus in order to get, or whatever it's been rebranded as now, in order to get Fox Soccer to go, uh, in order to get Bundesliga, all the Bundesliga games, uh, it's uh, it's still a pretty good value. Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, and you get the IMG programming, which, by the way, I, I was reminded after we did our analysis last week that that is a bonus that we have not been getting that in the United States, at least regularly. And that's uh, that's a bit of a, a perk, actually. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that, that's the, the, the programming from Premier League produ- Productions. The, the challenge with that, though, too, is that um, most of us have not seen that coverage, so we, we don't know what to expect. So I, I know that... Um, on previous cruises I've taken to the Caribbean, I get to see uh, a lot more of the Premier League Productions um, content. And from what I saw, this is going back now, probably about two years ago, it was fantastic. They had some really good sit-down shows, they had some um, interview shows, they had some analysis shows, a lot of things that we, we never have seen in the United States. Uh, I'm presuming that we'll get some of that as well as um, some of the other coverage, as well as the news, etc. Again, it's hard to kind of value that when we haven't seen it. So I'm hoping that um, if NBC does launch this product as scheduled, that they'll at least give us a, a preview. I mean, give us kind of a one-week uh, free preview or something like that so we kind of c- can sink our teeth into it and see, okay, is this worth the $50 uh, it's going to cost us for the season to get uh, the matches as well as this Premier League productions coverage that we don't uh, normally get? Um, we'll have to wait and see and see how that, that, that turns out. Also, on the website, I did mention this last week on this uh, podcast last week, but uh, I do have the listing on the, the worldsoccertalk.com homepage that gives you an idea of what percentage of your games uh, this coming season will be on Premier League Pass. And for some teams, it's over 60% of the games are going to be on this service. Uh, if we're looking at last, week, last, year's, last season's um, uh, as kind of a comparison, a Stoke City or a West Brom, for example, is probably going to be 50 to 60% of those games are going to be on Premier League Pass. So the next uh, comment from a, one of our listeners, Kartik, is from the Soccer Heretic on Twitter. And he says, I, I agree with you about the Fox presentation during Confederations Cup. But having said that, the hypercritical narrative Fox Sports has pushed about Mexico has seemed bitter, opportunistic, and shows a lack of self-awareness. The criticism uh, they have heaped on El Tri are comments and a narrative they would never present with regard to the U.S. men's national team. 
Now, Kartik, on this one, I completely agree. And this was something that um, Fernando Fiore especially was um, during the... Uh, this is going back to, like, what, the, probably the... Uh, actually, even the first the first group uh, matches that Mexico was playing, that's kind of saying, okay, the pressure's on Mexico, the, the fans are against them, the, the media's against them, and it seems that everyone's against them, and Osorio's in trouble, and they really have to go through this tournament and, and pretty much win it in order to kind of uh, satisfy the, the, uh, Mexico, uh, which from the media perspective, I don't know, Carter, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of this is, I mean, a media perspective in terms of where well, the pressure's on, but they're trying to sell newspapers, they're trying to sell attention, and it adds incredible pressure on, on the coach and the players, and that's something that Mexico has in the past kind of struggled with, really. Um, but I agree with the soccer heretic in terms of how critical they were about Mexico, even though Mexico was playing well throughout this tournament for the most part, and they would never do that for the U.S. men's national team. Right, right. In fact, they would never do that for the men's national team unless it meant criticizing Jurgen Klinsmann, who I believe had – there was plenty to criticize Klinsmann about, uh, his tactics, his squad selection, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, he being a, a, a non-American-born manager, I think, prompted a lot of those critiques among the Fox crew and among uh, those um, who are uh, uh, in the U.S. soccer media aristocracy. I, I think there was a certain degree of nativism and jingoism, which happens in Mexico also. And even more pronounced in Mexico. Juan Carlos Osorio is a Colombian who spent his formative years learning this sport in the United States and in uh, uh, Liverpool and Manchester. So uh, in England, he, he's not uh, the classic Mexican coach. So I think uh, Fox was trying to once again play into the narrative of, of El Tree fans, which is to criticize a foreign coach. Mexico's performances are never good enough, even if they're winning. Uh, Mexico thinks they're Argentina. A lot of Mexican fans think they're Argentina or Brazil or Germany or Spain, and they're not. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Fox fell into that. I completely agree with the soccer heretic. They, they don't make these criticisms of the U.S. unless it's of Klinsman directly. Um, and if it's of Klinsman, it's, a, it's a, a talk of how talented the United States is versus um, uh, and, and how poorly the coach is uh, doing. Now, of course, uh, I didn't watch the U.S.-Mexico game on Fox for a reason, I, and I mentioned that earlier in the show, but uh, when you can only maintain after years and years and years of soccer development 25% possession against Mexico, we're not talking about Germany or Spain, uh, I, I don't think your players or your, your talent level is that high. But um, Fox, uh, again, and I want to uh, stress this, Chris, we have complimented Fox throughout this tournament. I've written a very complimentary article about their coverage. I believe so much of their success in this tournament has to do with the United States not being in it. Mm -hmm. And once the United States re-enters the conversation and re-enters the narrative, it becomes a very jingoistic, um, over-the-top um, hyper-nationalistic broadcast. That's what we've experienced from Fox. That's what we experienced from ESPN in 2006, and it blew up in their face, and yep. they pivoted towards a, a much more neutral and uh, kind of responsible journalistic uh, stance in, in, in uh, 2008 Euros, 2010 World Cup, and onwards. So um, that's that's my takeaway. I think Scott Soccer Heretic is spot on, as he usually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on this one, too, um, if you look at the uh, the Mexico-Germany uh, semifinal, and yes, Mexico 
in that game were not at their best by any means, and, and Germany completely controlled this match. Um, but having said that, though, too, you, mean, you look at uh, Chile, one of the best teams in the world, and they were unable to uh, overcome Germany, too. So, so Mexico coming in, um, you know, getting knocked out in the semifinal, uh, is not that bad. I mean, obviously, they would have been much better if, they, if they'd uh, done better in that game, but um, they were playing against a very, very difficult Germany team that went on to, uh, to win it. And we were talking before about VAR and maybe some ideas about uh, how to, to make it better, perhaps. But here's one great suggestion here from Scott from McKellen, uh, Texas. And he says uh, from email, he says, after watching Portugal against Mexico, what if each team had two coaching challenges per game? Seems better than officials deciding what gets reviewed and what doesn't. I think this is a great idea, Kartik. I think this is one of those things that, uh, whether it's close to even tennis or other sports where you get to decide when to use those challenges and when not to, uh, this would definitely, in some matches, I think, resolve the issues of VAR being used too many times or or, uh, too often. Uh, yeah, the only concern I have about this is if, if a coach runs out of, uh, well, you know what? I, I think it's probably a good suggestion because then the coach has to be judicious about the challenges they use. Right. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe you don't challenge a yellow card in the first 10 minutes of a match. But I guess, but I guess it, like the Mexico-New Zealand game, was it the Mexico-New Zealand? I think it was. towards. The yeah, that, that was a classic game, I think, where the ref lost control. Yeah. And misused VAR, VAR also. <laughs> exactly. And, and if something does happen at the end of the game, near the end of the game, where there's a big uh, skirmish and you've got I mean, 22 players on the pitch kind of trying to break up a fight, uh, and if both teams have used their challenges, that's one of those in- incidents where you need but then VAR. You- but then you, but then you, you, so here's how you do that. You use it, you managers use it like they use substitutions. And oftentimes if a, if a guy gets hurt or gets sent off in the 87th minute, 88th minute, the coach has nothing to, has no um, fallback position, or you could institute a rule where it's two challenges up until the 85th minute. And then after that, everything will be, uh, if it's a one goal game, let's say will be reviewed um, one or goal game or, 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 or uh, level at the point at that point uh would be uh reviewed uh in the in the traditional fashion or not the traditional it's nothing traditional about bar but in the way we did it during confederations cup right yeah it's interesting because it does change it changes the game not only just from the the way that the game is played to a certain extent in terms of what happens on the fields and uh what players can get away with and and perhaps not get away with any longer um, as well as the TV viewing experience. So. Well, well, but I will say this, you know, the Confederations Cup has been a throwaway tournament for years yeah. uh, to a lot of uh, soccer analysts. This year, there was more attention. It, it didn't reflect in the TV ratings necessarily in the U.S., but um, uh, the U.S. also wasn't in it. But the it, it, it got the attention of soccer pundits around the world, even in the U.K., where they normally ignore anything that doesn't involve uh, involve England, and uh, it, uh, except for that Euro 2008 tournament. It got a lot more attention in England this summer than it did in 2013 or 2009 or 2005 because of VAR. I think everybody was curious in the football world to see how it worked out and watch these games and analyze these games for that specific purpose. So, again, it, it kind of revived a sagging tournament. Now, we don't yeah. know if this tournament is going to 
be around in 2021. FIFA is toying with with uh, changing the format, but it certainly made the tournament relevant this go round. I enjoyed this tournament. I, I was actually surprised about how competitive it was. I mean, we were just talking about the third place final and how competitive that game was. The final was extremely competitive. I really enjoyed this one and it uh, exceeded my expectations. Um, and then going back to the, the VAR thing, I think from introducing it and having it uh, next summer's World Cup is going to be huge. Uh, also for the mainstream audience, because in, in previous World Cups where I've... Um, be working at different companies and would uh i'd have uh try to introduce people to soccer and try to encourage them to watch a world cup and they would come to me with questions they had never watched soccer before and they would say okay you know the slovenia u.s game in the world cup and they're like how can that possibly be, uh, happen a really controversial uh refereeing decision and you mean it to explain it's with no video analysis or, or the referee having no video analysis was always difficult. And I think that turned a lot of people off to the sport. So even though it's not perfect um, and FIFA has the best uh, concept, well, not best concept, but the best idea in that trying to implement this, I think we need it really badly uh, in many instances. We're still trying to figure out how to use it. But at the end of the day, if uh, FIFA can get this correct, and the implementation of this as far as when to use it, when not to use it, and getting the decisions correctly, and try to make it more fair. It's never going to be perfect, but make it more fair. I think that's going to introduce and help a lot of the the new viewers to soccer, uh, mainstream-wise, to, to maybe give soccer another chance and, and continue watching it and maybe uh, have it as one of their second favorite sports. And, and down the road, maybe it'll be their favorite sport. So I think it's all positive. It's just trying to figure out how to make it work. Now, Kajak, let's move on to our featured topic of the week. Uh, now that we've had a chance to see Fox's blueprint for the 2018 FIFA World Cup, based on their coverage of the Confederations Cup, what improvements can they make? Now, going into Confederations Cup, we had a lot of question marks about uh, Fox's level of production, of their studio analysis, of the commentators, I mean, the whole package. And I was pleasantly surprised really really uh glad that they got so much of this correct i mean definitely david neal's uh, role as an executive producer with fox sports made a huge difference um having the u.s not in this tournament to also help to kind of make them more objective um they definitely were trying to push the mexico angle but then at the same time like we just talked about they were pretty much very much uh very critical overly critical of mexico but but having said all of that the production was fantastic uh the studio coverage was hit and miss depending on which studio it was the kate abdo studio with um uh, eric winalda and uh, gus hiddink and uh, lothar mateus was excellent the mateus part of it i didn't i wasn't a big fan i still think his english is pretty bad um, and his analysis was nothing incredible. So, but I know why they have him there. It's, it's just the German angle, also with the Bundesliga having having been on on Fox, that gives them an, another opportunity to kind of uh, play up that angle. The studio uh, coverage in LA, that's still got a lot, a lot to improve, and we can talk about this in more detail in a minute. But, but Kartik, what's your thoughts on um, Fox's coverage and some of the improvements that they can make to to make the, the 2018 FIFA World Cup uh, TV coverage, uh, fantastic, and, and, and the best that they can make it. Well, I think uh, 
my biggest concern is the is the rah rah USA thing, and I and we know it's coming back because it's Fox, and and we know how they we're going to see how they handle this Gold Cup, but um, it is um, something that I think impacts their entire coverage and their entire narrative of the tournament. And uh, they got away with it in the Women's World Cup, right? Because the U.S. won the, won the tournament, got to the final, beat Japan in the final. Uh, although at times in that tournament, in the group stage, the U.S. looked very shaky. And um, we were speculating openly what happens if the U.S. Uh, is eliminated uh, earlier than expected. And, and certainly could have happened against Germany in the semifinals. Certainly could have happened if France had defeated Germany in the quarterfinals. I think France, France has had this incredible record against the United States in women's soccer the last few years and, and they, they probably would have beaten them in my opinion uh we saw what happened in the gold cup in 2015 the united states uh, is very poor the entire tournament gets eliminated by jamaica in the semifinal. in the pre-game show for the final in 2015 i keep coming back to this uh the, before they got into the discussion of uh, jamaica who was one of the finalists they had a big inquest about the united states and uh and and, and uh, roundtable discussion about the united states and where do they go from here? So, I mean, just imagine this. You could have this in the quarterfinals. The United States is eliminating the round of 16. There's a quarterfinal match between Belgium and, uh, and, and Colombia, let's say. And you have Rob Stone sitting around the studio with Lawless and, and the others talking about, well, uh, which, where did Bruce Arena get it wrong? Uh, what do we do now with the U.S. out? Um, and... That is my primary concern for this entire coverage of Fox, that they um, will return us to ESPN in 2006 with. And look, a lot of people say, oh, uh, folks complain about the 2006 World Cup because there were American voices doing the, 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 the commentary. And yes, it was ridiculous that Dave O'Brien was the uh, lead commentator for ESPN over the likes of a Derek Ray. Right. I mean, it's just an absurd decision. But. I think so much of it was about the jingoism and the um, the over the top nationalism, which had very little place in a broadcast, which is supposed to be celebrating all the cultures and all the nations of the world. Now, we've seen some progress, obviously, with this Confederations Cup. We've seen some progress with the documentaries that Fox is going to be putting together next year, the National Geographic features, uh, which, which which were good. So um, maybe that will be will be blunted but that is my biggest concern now as far as commentators are concerned um well, I want to make sure, Lacoste, make sure when Alda has a bigger role, that's let, the big one for me. Well, let's talk about studio talent just a little bit more So uh, before we move on to commentators. So the studio talent, I would actually love to see, and this may never happen, but I would love to see Kate Abdo hosting as, as the host, the, the main host of a U.S. soccer broadcast, say if it's USA against you know, whatever team it is, but having her involved in that broadcast and seeing how the, her, dynamic, her dynamic changes based on her, having her host because I think part of the issue is, is they have Rob Stone, who's over the top, obnoxious, rah-rah USA. And it starts with him because then Lalas feeds off that. Fiore jumps in. You know I mean, and, and it's a free-for-all. But if you had a Kate Abdo in the studio, and of course the studio is going to be in, in Russia next summer, having her host it, I think she's going to ask more thought, thought-provoking questions. Uh, she might try to make it more where it is, isn't so one-sided USA, but kind of make it, uh, let's hear about some of the analysis of the other team or ask some questions about the other team, um, which, which many, t- many times, too, you can learn from a, 
from answers to that question, how that impacts the United States. But I'd love to see that happen and just see how it changes the broadcast because mm. Kate Abdo to me is much, much better than the Rob Stone. Yeah, and then also in deference to the U.S. Soccer Federation and uh, and or Major League Soccer, don't limit uh, Eric Winalder's exposure. Don't take him out of the studio when the U.S. is playing. I mean, I fear that will happen because, uh, look, uh, it's okay to talk about the United States. Obviously, there's more interest in the United States than any other country here. Uh, it is a U.S. broadcast, but it's the rah-rah, over-the-top, cheerleading that's a problem. If you have Winalda mm-hmm. in U.S. coverage, you have a counterweight. Winalda has some very valid, from my perspective, and it is a perspective. It's a, it is a valid perspective, whether you agree with myself and Eric Winalda or not, valid critiques about the U.S. system and the way the U.S. has conducted itself in this sport. Um, now, if you balance out Rob Stone and Lawless with, with Winalda and you let him speak, um, then it might be a little different. But I, I sense if Fox goes this Rara USA uh, way, Winalda, you You'll see him when Germany plays uh, uh, Austria, but you won't see him when, uh, in the studio when the U.S. is playing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Kate Abdo would be a solution. We know they're not going to do that. So hopefully <laughs> they don't. Uh, no, I know. No, we, they will do that in, in, in some in, in secondary studios and maybe uh, the other wraparound programs they have. But we know Rob Stone's going to be in the studio when they talk when the U.S. is the um, is the talking point. So, but, but, um, but, but why though? I, I understand why, but I mean, to me, just mix it up. I mean, just, uh, I mean, Kate Abdo, if anyone's been to her, checked out her Instagram accounts, but she, she was, uh, if you, it has a couple of videos on, on there of her speaking Russian fluently. And she picked it up on, on her trip to, to Russia. I mean, she's incredibly skilled in terms of, uh, speaking what, uh, German, English, Spanish, Italian, now probably Russian to a certain extent too, and, and I'm sure some other languages too. So she's very uh, multilingual. She's very very smart woman. And to me, I mean, you look at Rebecca Lowe and what she's done for NBC's uh, coverage. Uh, it could be the same way for Kate Abdo. I mean, to me, Rob Stone. Yes, he's uh, he's been around a long time, and yes, he's put his service in. But why should he he get that that that? But PPO? but I have to I have to uh, push back on this a little bit because I think Rob Stone is a is a soccer guy at heart, even though he's a um, he is an MLS U.S. soccer homer who has made good and made uh, his his uh, an impact now in American sports in, in college sports broadcasts. And I remember when Rob Stone was starting out uh, at. Um, ESPN. He, he's uh, uh, from Tampa, and um, he was just doing soccer stuff and variety soccer stuff. And he eventually pushed his way into college basketball. He was on those ESPN Plus broadcasts, which were syndicated. Uh, ESPN produced broadcasts that weren't even on ESPN. Pushed his way through. Pushed his way through into college basketball and college football to the point where I think there is some crossover appeal to Rob Stone hosting soccer broadcasts and some credibility for soccer maybe within Fox and within Fox Sports. Sports, that Rob Stone has continued to be so committed to the sport, uh, wanting to do as many soccer broadcasts as he could. So I, I think Rob Stone's presence is important. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't sideline him completely, but you, you know you need to to, to to pair back his excesses with uh, with the U.S. stuff because we've saw in this tournament he yeah. can be perfectly good. He was much better. 
Yeah, when there's no U.S. element. And we've seen during Champions League, he can be perfectly good mm -hmm. when there's no uh, American playing in a game, right? If it's Juventus and Real Madrid, he's fine. <laughs> if Borussia Dortmund's playing, it's all about Pulisic. Right, yeah. exactly. But right. Uh, so also in the studio, um, Arnie Friedrich got better as the tournament went on. Yeah. I, I've seen him previous MLS and, and, um, and Bundesliga when he's been in and out of Los Angeles. And, and I haven't been terribly impressed, but he got better as the tournament went on. I think Ian Wright, who, um, I think we, we, we've knocked a lot in the past, mm -hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons in, in a variety of roles. And most notably his, his co-commentary role, which Gus Johnson about five years ago, four or five years ago on Fox, uh, was very good in studio that that's his niche. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the funny thing though with Kartik too is that, that Lee Dixon did one uh, co-commentary I think with uh, Gus Johnson too so it was the, the Gus Johnson car crash that I think anyone paired with him Winalda was with uh, Gus Johnson too anyone who was paired with Gus Johnson kind of you mean were made to look bad because Gus Johnson was so poor and they had to kind of pick, pick up uh, a lot of the um, the ball essentially but but yeah a student right it's the opposite of uh what goes on now with, with, them, john, with strong. john strong exactly right, because i think john strong look uh, holden did well in this tournament i am not uh i'm not convinced by him but i i think when you pair someone with john strong genuinely he gets he gets the best out of them yeah yeah, absolutely. And the studio talent, if we look at that, say, say, uh, not in the perspective of the United States uh, playing, but so if you know, it's Germany against Spain or it's Italy against England, whoever it may, may be, or I mean, Brazil against uh, Uruguay, um, when it's not the U.S., I still think that the studio talent, uh, this improvements that can be made there. I don't think those are the best talent available, uh, you mean, on the going market in terms of is that the best a Fox can do? Uh, Lalas got better, and I think he got more animated, and I think uh, he kind of saw his, his role in terms of being more energetic on, on set. Uh, so I think he's fine. Fernando Fiore still brings the comedy aspect of it. Um, which is nice once in a while, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want too much of that. I mean, that, that's the other thing, Kartik, when you think about it too, is the World Cup is a much bigger tournament. It's, it's, it's a long haul. You mean the Confederations Cup with this one, with, with it being so short, uh, we got to see some great coverage, but the World Cup is, is it's an endurance. It's a marathon. It really is. So uh, they will have to bring in more talent anyway, uh, to kind of uh, go through the cycles in terms of bringing some people in, like a, like a Brad Friedel or Ali Wagner, uh, bringing bringing them, getting them more involved in these broadcasts, as well as hopefully some other talent from around the world. And it doesn't have to be from England; it could be anywhere in the world in terms of some some big names. And I still think that that is well one of the the two biggest weaknesses is that studio talent in that studio in Los Angeles, which will be in Russia next year is um, some of those people are just not that good. Um, and, and there's improvements that can be made there. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right about the studio talent. Now, you think about what ESPN did, the um, last two World Cups and the, and the last two Euros. Uh, and maybe even you can go back to Euro 2008, but really 12 and 16 and then 10 and 14, which was bringing in a lot of uh, varied voices uh, into uh, – uh, the, these tournaments, bringing in uh, the, uh, the Rude Hulets, the uh, Jurgen Klinsmans uh, in 10, obviously in 14, he was busy with the U.S. team, uh, uh, the Roberto Martinez's, uh, Julie Foudy, uh, and, and others uh, that were uh, Allison Bender, etc., that had a, uh, a unique kind of more 
a globalized perspective on things. And um, I'm going to miss Julie Foudy. I mean, she's been a part of every major tournament. And yeah. if you don't if you don't count the Confederations Cup as a major tournament, every major tournament we've had really since World Cup '98, um, it seems like, and and continue to get her during uh, World uh, Women's World Cup 2015 because uh, I would change the channel when ESPN had their recap show, and I would watch her and, and Kate McGrath and and others on there. So um, I think. Uh, I'm going to miss her. And you need to have those sorts of varied voices and people who can give cultural perspectives also uh, on on this event. And, and I'm hoping Fox does that. Um, I don't know what their plans are for that. You also want someone who's a really good kind of um, soccer analyst and not just uh, a homer. And Roberto Martinez, for all my critiques of him managing Everton, and I know uh, those who, who maybe are new to the show don't don't remember those. Uh, I uh, I think he was fantastic as a, as a match analyst. I think he'll probably do better as an international manager. He also has a loaded team with Belgium, right? He should do very well. But um, I think you miss that kind of tactical perspective with the with the. Uh, the guys Fox has in place now. So they need to go out and try and find maybe a, a Premier League or, or Bundesliga coach that is on uh, summer holiday to, to, to plug in there who might be comfortable on air. I don't know who that guy is. Jürgen Klopp? Oh, that would be a dream. Yeah. I don't know if they'll be that lucky, but... Well, well, they... well, that's the thing, though, too. I mean, Fox did try to hire Jürgen Klopp after he left uh, Dortmund um, before he became Liverpool manager. They tried to hire him. Um, I have a source that, re- that revealed it to, to me. So, so you never know. That would be the, I mean, if they could get him, that would we we would be having a completely different conversation because I think <laughs> he is so animated, yeah. so on point, and so and, and you know here here I am. I'm a guy who genuinely doesn't like Liverpool. They're one of the teams I dislike the most, although I really respect their history in English football. But I mean, I, I'm rooting as a a lot of times when for Liverpool, I was pulling hard for them to get into the top four this year because Klopp is so likable and so engaging. Mm-hmm. If you could get him. That would that's a conversation changer. That might even be a game changer for the way soccer is discussed on television in this country. Well, um, well that's the thing, though, too, because because Lala, Lala still doesn't have that uh, um, adversary. He doesn't have that person that he can get into when those manufactured debate, debates about the Balaks, exactly. And why they got or the Macos, right? Why they got Lothar Mateus? I don't know. Maybe it was just maybe Balak wasn't available, or maybe Balak cost too much. I don't know. But but someone like a Balak or someone like like yeah, a Maka. Uh, the Ian Wrights, they, they started to kind of uh, get back and forth. It was more jokey, kind of funny. It wasn't really kind of a serious I think debate. they might have um, more success in Russia because um, this is a consideration for some Europeans. Now, L.A. is a great place. California is wonderful, uh, particularly in the summer months. But uh, a lot of Europeans, it's, it, it was easier if they were going to do studio things like Bollock did to go to Connecticut, uh, to go to the east coast of the United States or northeast in particular. I mean, uh, Miami BN is on the east coast, but that's still further. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is much easier, I think, to attract that talent to New York, Boston than it is to Los Angeles. So um, maybe we'll see. We'll see more of that talent um, next summer for Fox because, again, I think being in Los Angeles and they have no intention of leaving Los Angeles. Fox Sports is set up out there, but um, it is prohibitive in this case. And when you're covering European football or European oriented football, honestly, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you know, it's a good point. So, so I think studio talent to me. I mean, the two to the two weaknesses I see with Fox's coverage, or the two areas of improvement, are the studio talent. Um, there's still, I mean, there's some numbers of people that need to bring in to kind of rotate through the cycle, um, and that needs to be elevated because that's really, to me, the main reason that people are going to come in and watch the the pregame on Fox versus on Telemundo. You need it. It doesn't have to be just big names, but you need to have some really intelligent people in there that are going to have some uh, some thought provoking analysis that are going to raise the bar. And we're not there yet. And that was something with the Confederations Cup. I was uh, disappointed with. It was better than it usually is, but still, it's not World Cup coverage. Um, level that we're expecting. And the second area of improvement is commentators. So we've talked about uh, Jorge Perez Navarro and the Kobe Jones uh, pairing, which uh, Nav- Perez Navarro was growing on me uh, in, in terms of his goal calls and uh, some of the cheesy things he did in games. But that could get really tired really quick. Uh, and Kobe, uh, hate to pick on him, but just his level of analysis was very basic, extremely basic, kind of a AYSO coach basic. It was really poor. So that's the area. I mean, the John Strong is uh, off the charts. I mean, to me, that's a slam dunk. You've got your man. And uh, maybe the pairing with Stu Holden, uh, they complement each other pretty well. Stu Holden's not the greatest, but he has come a long way. And uh, unless you, they'll probably pull in the Landon Donovan. And again, we've talked about that, about the, th- the three of them. Uh, to me, I'd rather have a Landon Donovan and JP Della Camera duo and, and stick with the Stu Holden, John Strong, if that's the best that they can do for the, the COCOM. But other than that, Kartik, there's a lot of room for improvement and there's a lot of matches in the World Cup too. And that's the area that I think that you do need to bring in a Derek Ray as an example, who's moving to the United States and is going to be doing some work for ESPN this summer in the International Champions Cup. He's going to be covering some of those games, but is looking for a job. I mean, that's somebody who's a world-class commentator, uh, one of the best globally, and uh, he's moving to the U.S., and he would, I'm sure, love to have a, a conversation with Fox uh, in that regard. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong if you hire Derek Ray. That's 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 uh, the guy a lot of us grew up and grew into the sport listening to and uh, would be uh, magic for not just uh, commentary-wise, but I think for Fox's credibility with the fans who are skeptical of Fox's coverage. You hire Derek Ray, a lot of that skepticism fades. So I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think that they're going to need to, uh, to elevate uh, – their um, their uh, co-commentators. I, I like Ali Wagner. I hope she has a role. Uh, Brad Friedel, I think, needs work. And, and there is uh, uh, again, maybe should be an inquest about the uh, the inability. We talked about it at the beginning of the show to uh, keep uh, JSB, Julie Stewart Binks, and uh, Hercules Gomez at the network. They could have been very useful for uh, for World Cup coverage. Uh, we we saw or we've heard how how well um, Hercules Gomez did as a co-commentator uh, with uh, on those two U twenty one games, the two Spain games, uh, Spain Germany in the final and Spain Italy um, in the semifinal, working with Sebastian Salazar, who's another guy 
maybe Fox could have hired since they, since they they like the idea of American Voices. Uh, he's a guy they they like get away uh, move from NBC or Comcast over to uh, ESPN, and that that's that's certainly a miss. Um, Salazar is a guy that actually could host the uh, the World Cup studio if, if he, they had hired him, but they didn't. So um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think of the guys that are at ESPN FC, and and they're all under contract. Shaka, Burley, uh, Nickel. Um, Nickel's not going to leave the Boston area, so that, that's uh, that's that's probably um, someone they could never have lured to Los Angeles. But um, I think you've got now the potential. And again, maybe I'm one of the few people doing this, although you'd be surprised. Um, I went to Orlando this weekend to call um, a game, NPSL game, had a couple guys with me in the car. Um, and we were talking about Craig Burley, half the ride. And his arguments with Hercules Gomez and ESPN FC, really hardcore soccer fans. I think a lot of hardcore soccer fans in the country are watching that show, which is why it continues to, to be aired, right? They haven't canceled the show yet after four years. Um, I, I think there'll be a lot of us who probably uh, turn on ESPN FC's daily show and wait for Dan Thomas and the gang to dissect uh, what's going on in the World Cup next summer unless Fox ups their game. Um, but we've seen signs that they're capable of, of moving towards where we want to be this summer. So um, uh, it's really up to them now. But that option remains. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there again. Their option remains for people to turn on ESPN FC, whatever time they air their shows. Um, they might even send Dan Thomas and, and a couple of the studio guys, Moreno and, and, and uh, Burley, whoever else, to Russia, for all we know. They, they go on location for the Champions League final every season. Um, now, now, granted, that's only one week for four weeks, but uh, who knows? That's the thing, though, too. That there are so many names out there that would uh, jump at a chance for an opportunity to broadcast the World Cup. Uh, most of them would be based in probably well, South America or, or Europe in terms of some of the names that are available, or, or the Middle East. I mean, many of them are working there now. Um, but people like, like Maka, I mean, is Steve McManaman, is he tied to any uh, broadcaster for the World Cup? You would think so, but uh, with ESPN not having the coverage anymore, maybe that's an opportunity to pick someone like that. Uh, Efeno Koku as an example, uh, Daniel Mann, who did the broadcast for ESPN at uh, the World Cup in 2014. I thought he did a very good job um, doing commentating for games. Uh, John Champion, Stuart Robson. I mean, the, the, you can go down the list. Roberto Martinez, like, like you mentioned, too, Kartik, too. Uh, probably um, Vincent Kempe. I think if Vincent you brought Kempe. in, yeah, company would be a, a good one. We saw him. Well, he might. he's back playing. He's fit again. So maybe he won't be yeah. uh, available in 2018. But uh, I, I like the idea of bringing Champion and Robson over together as a package right. and having them do games. That, I think, would probably be very, very good. But I, I can't uh, imagine Fox does that. Um, At the same time, I, though, too, you, you wonder, like, ESPN's coverage. What will ESPN's coverage of the World Cup be? So... I know that, for example, Univision, who doesn't have the rights to the World Cup next summer, uh, the Spanish language, Telemundo does. Univision is planning to have um, the game outside the game. So they're, they're going to be covering the World Cup in micro detail, uh, everything before pre-match, uh, probably halftime and post-match, but we'll, won't have the actual coverage of the games. So does ESPN, what, what's their level of coverage? Oh, for the they're going to, as I said, I think they're going to, put some emphasis on ESPN FC, the show. And uh, I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to send the crew to Russia for the entire tournament. Uh, they have shown even without having the champions league final, that they're willing to spend uh, resources, spend money to send the guys. Uh, I think it's th four straight years. They've sent Dan Thomas and Alejandro Moreno at a minimum 
to um, the Champions League final locale, and then they've been joined by G the Gab Marcottis and the Sidlows and the, the crew, the Honningstein, the guys that they use um, in Europe anyway, that are based in Europe, that probably are covering the game for other outlets. Um, but they, they, I believe, would probably send Dan Thomas, uh, Alejandro Moreno, and maybe Craig Burley at a minimum for part of the tournament mm -hmm. and have some degree of wraparound coverage. We saw it with the Women's World Cup. They lost the rights. They still had a nightly recap show, and I was watching that nightly recap show. Again, um, my major tournaments for, for almost two decades have included Julie Foudy, so I saw no reason to stop because Fox got the rights, and Fox uh, had clown, a clown show at times, not quite as bad as the following year in uh, Copa America, but right. uh, I, I think that that is, again, an option for viewers outside who, who are hardcore soccer fans looking outside the box, that they will watch Univision, they will watch... Um, um, ESPN also because of familiarity, comfort with uh, with the guys that they have uh, in studio. And I think it's it's worth noting at this point and knock on wood, we, we've still got a year to go. ESPN's massive layoffs in terms of um, uh, written talent and studio talent have only affected soccer slightly. Uh, Doug McIntyre was laid off. He's very, very good. Uh, writer and we're going to miss him at ESPN FC, but most of their talent knock on wood has been retained. Uh, and we've seen them hire the likes of JSB, Seb Salazar and um, Hercules Gomez in the last nine months mm -hmm. uh, and, and really improve their, um, their output. Uh, there'll also be a demand, I think, for the kind of analysis uh, of the likes of Taylor Twelman if uh, uh, ESPN goes all the way with, with their coverage. So um, even though he won't be doing match analysis, uh, he's perfectly comfortable in the studio. You could sit him down with Dan Thomas. You could. They, they might include Ian Dark, although I think Ian Dark will be doing uh, uh, Australian television. Is that right? Or uh... That I'm not sure. And actually, I was going to mention that, too, as far as two more names to throw out there. Um, Ian Dark, which I know, again, Fox Sports tried to hire uh, Ian Dark uh, for World Cup coverage. So I'm not sure if that actually happened or if, the, if they're continuing to have discussions or if that has already happened. Um, we won't know until uh, Fox reveals their coverage. Uh, it's possible that Ian Dark, I'm sure, whether it's Australia or other parts of the world, would be in high demand. But um, imagine him on a World Cup uh, broadcast from Fox. Or Martin Tyler. I mean, I'm sure Martin Tyler's probably looking for opportunities too. Probably the same places that Ian Dark's looking uh, for opportunities to broadcast a World Cup. So there's some big names out there. I mean, Fox has, has a, a long list of people to choose from. And also people from w within the U.S. too, U.S. broadcasters. Um, I mean, yes, I don't think being sports would let uh, Phil Shane go uh, for a, a month, but um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of sharing there in terms of talent. But there, there is a lot of people there. Ian Joy, as an example, too. I mean, there's, there's a long list of uh, talent that's available. Ross Fletcher, who has been doing a great job on the Europa League broadcast. So Fox has a lot of talent available in the U.S. too to choose from, as well as... Um, I mean, I'm sure they're talking to agents, trying to get some people. I'm hoping that they're trying to get some people, too, from overseas because the talent that they do have right now is not going to be enough to be at a World Cup level. We'll, it'll be interesting to see at the, for the Gold Cup, which kicks off this weekend. Uh, a lot of the games are in FS2. So will they be trying out some names there that, that usually um, might not get a chance? Um, so will we see more uh, broadcasts from Tony Miola uh, and folks of, of that level? 
and uh, or will we see some new names or some new pairings, some experimentation on a tournament? It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a World Cup tournament. So there's another opportunity for Fox to uh, try out some of these commentators and see see how they do. Yeah, there's ample opportunity for Fox to do that, but uh, we'll we'll see what direction they go, and they uh, and we might see uh, also uh, an opportunity for them to experiment more with Champions League since they've lost the rights to Turner Sports beginning in 20, uh, 2018. Maybe they use that as kind of a proving ground for uh, for World Cup coverage. One more thing to contact before we go, and that's the sideline reporters. Um, so do we really need to have a Russian sideline reporter uh, for the um, Confederations Cup? We had Maria Komanaya, and, uh, who could hardly speak English. Uh, she tried her best. I mean, fair play to her. But uh, do we really need to have a Russian sideline reporter? Why can't we have Rachel Bonetta, who's at Fox? She's been there for over a year now. And just to me, from the television side, it's been underutilized. We hardly ever see her on the television, on the soccer broadcast. It's mostly on the digital side. But having a Rachel Bonetta, uh, somebody who knows soccer, uh, and, uh, to me, why not use her instead of using a local person that uh, doesn't speak English? Uh, yeah, that's a very valid point. I mean, uh, uh, Rachel Banana versus her, I, I don't think there's much of a comparison, but um, maybe this was an audition. And uh, look, uh, ESPN did some awkward things with Confederations Cups in 2009 and 2013 also. Um, so uh, it, I think maybe it is a proving run. Yeah, it is a proving run. It's an experiment, and, and we'll see if uh, Fox similarly learns from that and, and, and adjusts their coverage. I mean, if you talk, look at Confederations Cup 2009 versus World Cup 2010, uh, the difference was unbelievable in ESPN's coverage. Now, yep. part of that was the uh, was the John Skipper effect and, and going out and hiring Jurgen Klinsmann and Ruud Hulett and Roberto Martinez and Michael Bollock and bringing uh, uh, the big names, the big guns from the uh, general sports side, Mike Tirico and Chris Fowler uh, over and, and Bob Lee back to soccer. He had been out for a little bit. That was uh, that was 2010 and 2013. You saw kind of a dialing back of that with the Confederations Cup. Bob Lee was still there, but um, some clunky studio analysis. Uh, you did have Ian Dark and, and Maka calling the games, but um, 2014 it was the, the level was raised once again, um, and um, we we got Derek Ray also 2014 back mm -hmm. calling games. So that was. Uh, uh, and, and that was with ESPN losing the FIFA rights. They they went that extra mile. I have a I have a feeling Fox might uh, might surprise us. I hope I hope so. Uh, but my biggest concern goes back to the initial thing, which is the rah rah USA thing. Yeah, and, and my concerns are mostly about the studio talent and the commentators, which has been kind of a. Uh uh, a trend for Fox Sports for many years, not being able to get those two areas right. Uh, they've come a long way. They've made improvements in those two areas. But I still think that they can raise the bar and uh, hit hit bigger heights because, uh, again, we're comparing it to ESPN, what ESPN has done. ESPN was off the charts good uh, for the last two World Cups. But um, Fox still has a long way to go, even though they've made significant improvements just in the last 12 months. So, Kartik, where can listeners find you on the Internet if they want to uh, talk to you about uh, whether it's soccer, politics or uh, uh, lower division uh, football? You can find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter. All right. So thanks for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday or sometimes Friday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Audioboom and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with our friends and on social media and give us a review. And uh, Kartik, what should they do? 
Enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.